Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways you can save. It's Wednesday, May 17th. Field, Daniel and Mike hanging out with you. And we are going to discuss the players that, as we look ahead to the regular season, are some of the hardest to rank based off what we know right now. And that will be for a lot of different reasons. Maybe mm-hmm. it's guys that are currently injured or recovering from a major injury. Maybe it's players where the depth chart ahead of them looks a little bit crowded. Maybe it's guys like Odell Beckham Jr. who haven't played in over a full season. They have been giving us headaches during the pre-draft process. I, I mean, I didn't think of, I, it, this was hard for me because what I just did is I ranked them in the order they're going to finish this year. Oh, wow. So, wow. So I, I didn't wow. think it was that hard. Interesting. I, that. I don't know yeah. what you guys were doing. Are you sure? That's like, what I did. Does it bother you that you have to stoop to our level and do this podcast with us? I mean, I just thought I, I just thought it was a weird topic. I don't know why you guys aren't did you doing have that, a but different I'm curious one? to hear what strategy you used. You like did was it your favorite teams, yeah. like your favorite logos? You ranked them that way. Like I don't. It's not like picking the NCAA tournament here right now, which you always go with your favorite logo course, slash mascot. Yeah. Yes, I actually right. just yeah. picked. I picked all the players that I felt like you faded because at least a couple of them are going to hit this year. Ooh, man, so, testy right. start to the show right. today. I experienced something before we came in today that I just had to get off my chest. Like, you know, the little things in life are what really are the best sometimes, course, right? Uh-huh. And we love winning, winning fantasy championships. We love winning Super Bowls. We love winning the NBA draft lottery. Sorry, Daniel. Yeah, Congratulations to the, to the city of San Antonio, though. Victor Wembanyama. That was awesome. There should be an NFL draft lottery. There really shouldn't be, but it would be really cool to experience it a few times. But on a scale of like one to 10, 10 being the best, how awesome is it when you test the limits of your gas tank and you slide into that gas station, basically like a hoverboard and you are just rolling in there. Like your, your engine is starting to sputter a little bit. You're the F1 guy here, Mike. So you know what I'm talking about, but like I made it into the station with Half a mile left no, in my gas tank. It must. That's, I mean, it must have been about that much. Too much, really. You're pushing it. Too you don't close. tempt fate like that. No. Were you? Like, here's my question: When you were driving in, were you like drafting behind a tractor trailer, so you didn't have to use drafting. as much gas? Were you just like trying to save fuel? There was one spot where they've been doing road work in recent days, uh-huh. and I was like, "Oh man, if I go down there, I it's possible that the road work is over, and that is the shortest distance to work." But if I go down there and they're still doing that work, I could end up being detoured and I might get stuck on the highway and yeah. be asking for Daniel to come pick me up and drive <laughs> me into work today. But what a great a feeling that mile. is, right? I mean, I, I don't, don't know exactly it. how much it was. My 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 indicator just said low. So, uh, and it says low after it says like 30 miles. So it was somewhere between zero and 30 to yeah. me, in my own mind, being the hero of this story, it was like a half a mile <laughs> you, you left. Like, barely made I it. was preparing to push my car to the right. gas station, but that is a great feeling. That, right? is, uh, that well makes done. me think of... And I don't know if, if you guys have watched this. Shout out to Kyle, who's going to finally get a pop culture reference. But the Seinfeld episode where yeah. Kramer actually runs out of gas and they just want to see how far they could potentially push it. Right. That's just what it makes me think of because mine does, my car does the same thing where it says like 20 miles left and then it goes to dashes. And right. with dashes, you're like, uh-oh. It's just guesses at this point, <laughs> guys. Let's just dashes see how far we can go. Dashes are bad. That made me think of the strongman competition back in the day. Like old school ESPN2 programming slapped, right? Mm-hmm. Like guys just like carrying rocks and pushing trucks. You and go from strongman like to the axes yeah, and stuff. so great. That's funny you say that because you were just talking also about having a lottery. And I was thinking like people tune in and watch the lottery last night, right? Why not make it like a skills competition of some sort for, you know, 
have like you pick an executive or whatever. It could be anything. Like the person hard, who could, represents you at the lottery yeah, has to have a three point sort of, shooting contest. Right. Or it's like a decathlon or something. <laughs> Can you imagine the ratings for that? Ben be Wallace will no longer be representing the Detroit Pistons <laughs> in that scenario. By the way, Ben Wallace, if you if I ever needed a bodyguard, I don't care that oh, my gosh. feet is great. Ben Wallace looked yoked last yeah. night, which yes, he was he when he played. I love Ben Wallace. So at least you still have that going for yeah, you. Yeah, 2003, 2004 NBA champions. Uh, a couple of housekeeping notes. We're still doing the show every, uh, every Wednesday, once a week. Week. We'll be here on YouTube. If you guys are inclined, go chat with Kyle, who is in the chat right now. Our camera to his room is not working. We promise he's actually there. He's not like in a closet somewhere here in Bristol. We're he using, is in the. We're using AI to answer this. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, uh, AI Kyle, yeah, Kyle GPT is currently in the YouTube chat right now. So uh, get involved. Uh, YouTube is kind of the place to be right now. Of course, we're still live on Twitter and other places as well. We're going to keep doing this every single week. And if you have thoughts, if you have suggestions for topics, Whatever it might be, feel free to either suggest them in the YouTube chat or tweet at us at Fantasy Focus with the show handle. I'm at Field Yates. He's at Mike Clay NFL. He is at Daniel Dopp. And this is the time of the year. We were talking about it before the show. So quiet right now, mm -hmm. right? Like we're sitting here and we're discussing quotes from like six days ago because there is nothing else that has taken place. So uh, there could be some action, but generally speaking, this time of the year, it's more about looking forward than it is about new moves on the horizon. They're going to shape how NFL rosters look come the fall. So not no uh, Mason Rudolph's the re-sign with the Steelers to be the third string quarterback Interesting. talk today. Well, we are going to talk about Hakeem Butler being signed oh, by the okay. Steelers. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, I do believe he cracks your toughest wide receivers to rank. Do you put him ahead of Justin Jefferson Wait, or just it, behind him? Is he, him? Is he still tied uh, in? Tight tight yeah, I think he's back to receiver now. Okay. Well, that right. that begs well, the question. If he, if he plays tight end, like has Travis Kelsey finally been dethroned? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely my top 200 receivers. Okay. Gotta, I've got to see if I could go. How many are on a roster right now? I got to figure there's about seven or eight minimum per team. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we're talking more, about more like, like 10 now. There yeah, was just yeah. a wave the other day. Every team signed like 20 players. Okay. And yeah. you know me, I'm like in there putting all these guys on the, I keep, I keep track of everyone. Nerd alert. It, yeah, it, it was surprise. It was just over 200 players signed in one day. It was, it's a lot. No, you're, you're a machine. We know that. It's a lot. It's all much. right. Let's talk about the uh, toughest players to rank in 2023. And what was actually kind of fun is when we were preparing this, like we all submitted some names and there was enough overlap, which kind of emboldened our stance on some of these players. Mm -hmm. Like if all three of us come up with the same names, it probably underscores that these guys are difficult to rank. And there were some players that we didn't have as much overlap on. So we're just going to dive in into those first. And I always think, and I said this before we were talking about breakout players recently, breakout's kind of a subjective term. The same thing is the case with hardest players to rank. It's yeah. not like there's one description, like he's the hardest player to rank because I want to put him inside my top five, but I can't quite make the case. It's different for each player. Mm -hmm. So I'll start things off here and I'll go with Jared Goff and Jared Goff, obviously the quarterback for the Detroit Lions finished with an absolute heater at the end of last season mm -hmm. over his last six games, 12 touchdown passes, zero interceptions. As we know, with Jared Goff, there's going to be zero rushing upside whatsoever. Mm -hmm. The question for me regarding Goff was not, does he need to be inside my top eight for quarterbacks? But rather, when you take away the elite tier of quarterbacks, and we can list those names, we don't have to. And then you get into the quarterbacks are in that next tier. Amongst the non-running variety, does Jared Goff to be at, deserve to be at the top of that tier or maybe at the bottom of that tier? Here are some of the names that I'm also considering. 
Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. Geno Smith, who does add more with his legs, but uh, probably more proficient as a passer than he is as a runner. Dak Prescott, who although he was formerly a runner, really did not run the ball much last year or the year prior. So where does Jared Goff fit in? I mean, look at his last six finishes to close the year last year. QB4, QB4, QB17, QB2, QB7, mm-hmm. QB24. Did he cause you any sort of frustration or pain? Not really, and the reason is this. He played pretty well last season, right? That might have been yeah, his best excellent. season yeah. beginning to end. Uh, he was fifth in QBR. He did a lot really well, basically at his ceiling from what we've seen throughout his career. And it's not like he's 22, right? He's been around a while. We've seen him for a long time. In fact, we saw a team decide we're done with him. We need to upgrade and make the trade for Matthew Stafford. All that, and he was QB 10 in fantasy points, and he's never finished higher than 10th in points per game okay. before. So yeah. the, the big one is running, right? I mean, he's just... 73 never, he, rushing been, yards last the, season. What's the stat from Kyle here? Uh, his last rushing touchdown was 888 days ago. Wow. 888. <laughs> so he's just not going to give you anything, and this yeah. day and age, that is going to crush you. So what happens for me is I get done, you know, I get through 10 or 12 quarterbacks. He's not he's not there for me yet. And then I'm like, well, nah, I mean, now I'm talking backup quarterbacks. I want someone with upside at that point. I don't, if it's, unless it's super flex. Yeah. I mean, mid range, good QB two, fine. But if we're not talking super flex, there's just, there's no upside. I'm sorry. And by the way, I feel like, I feel like, uh, Detroit has talked about like they're getting better and the supporting cast there you is good. Better be careful Off- with where you end this sentence. Offensive line. Very good. Elite. Yeah. No doubt. Uh-huh. Skill, especially with Jamison Williams and unknown and suspended for six games. Mm-hmm. It's not. That great. I mean, you have a rookie tight end in Laporta. You, yeah. Amon Ross St. Brown is awesome, but then it's like Marvin Jones was a situational Gibbs, player yeah. last year. And yeah, Gibbs is awesome in the running game. Okay. Yeah, I love the running game, but in terms of in the passing the game people too, he's I think. throwing to in the intermediate and downfield, you know, it's yeah, not, I guess a lot I mean, of what you just like, said, though, applied to last year, yeah. right? It's not like he was throwing to... And he was QB 10. He's still at no upside. I mean, he right, finished I'm saying, strong. But but he finished whoa. strong. That's the reason. That's what, is, that's what I'm talking about is these last six weeks, like I don't expect over the course of the year for him to have... Four top seven finishes right. every six weeks. That's upside to me. You can't, like to say that he doesn't have any upside. I have him as quarterback seventeen right now. But the idea that he was able to like he had top five finishes down the stretch for I you mean, on your fantasy team. But yeah. we have seen Blake Bortles do that. And, and Blake Bortles is a fantasy relevant yeah. quarterback. I think the reason why it's a little bit more appropriate. I'll move, move on to uh, Mike's pick next. Is that last year? I think reminded us more than ever about how. It's one thing, like, do we have players like Patrick Mahomes that, barring injury, are going to be in your lineup from start to finish except for their bye week, right? But last year we learned about the concept of pockets, right? Where, like, I had a pocket of the year where I had Justin Fields as my starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty expanded pocket by the end of the season. Yep. But for the first, what, six or seven weeks, he was unplayable. He was on waivers. The guy was not producing at all. And so I think if there's a road you go down this year in which your quarterback play isn't steady, week over week over week because you don't have one of those elite guys or like last year fewer elite guys emerge can jared goff step in and be a guy that you use for four or five weeks at a time i think one of the things i just really quickly want to say i'm i'm with you on all this i think the floor is lower because there is no rushing upside and he was about as efficient as you can get with the touchdown to interception ratio last year he found guys and did not turn the ball over which negatively affects fantasy points right so there's a reason why i have him as quarterback 17 but this offense even while he like in a very run heavy offense last year yeah he was surprisingly much more fantasy relevant than you would think given all the running that they did so i think he's at least in that consideration field tough one to rank i get yeah, it we've decided though that mike is going to be the white, bl- white blanket of, the show. of course, of course, of course i can already it's tell which path we're heading down so yeah. mike mm-hmm. why don't you offer up a player that made things difficult for you at the quarterback spot? yeah a guy in a similar boat probably in geno smith yeah. right a guy mm-hmm. that uh, is whole i mean he had an h31 breakout season right so uh 
you know, never better than 20th until last year. And he finished QB five. So you think about, all right, here's a guy that was QB five last season. He upgrades a wide receiver. Yep. Jackson yeah. Smith and Jigba. You still have DK Metcalf there. Tyler Lockett, maybe year two. Noah Fant maybe does some things in there. I mean, you look at the supporting cast, and not to mention, by the way, that the better offensive line should be better. I mean, the two tackles he took early in last year's draft there in year two. I mean, the, the guys around him could be very good. So you put those two things together, right? QB five, yep. a better supporting cast, and we're ranking him in the middle of the teens. Yeah. Like, like what? something doesn't check out here. So I think it really just comes down to, I mean, first of all, there's a lot of talent, obviously, at the quarterback position, but also, is it legit? Like, is what we saw from him last season real? And yeah. it's it's easy to say, probably a fluke just because we have, you know, he was a backup for so long and he's never played at this level. So he's tricky for me because I could see him repeating and be a, a mid range QB one, but I could have seen him just come and crash him back to earth as well. Yeah. I think that during the off season, you're often ranking for like what the hypothetical upside is of that player. And if you look back at last year's stats and you go and see where Gino ranks in total points amongst quarterbacks, it's extremely high mm-hmm. in part, not exclusively due to, but in part because he actually played all 17 weeks, yeah. right? You had guys that either had one, two, three weeks off, which could be the difference between Geno Smith being quarterback five and Geno being quarterback 11 as an example. And so I, I am with, I had Geno in a similar tier to where you have him as well. I just think that in a year in which it felt like almost everything could go right for Geno Smith, still under 20 fantasy points per game. I think mm-hmm. it was like right around 18 for Geno last year. Maybe the supporting cast is a bit better, but things went so, so well last year that just being back to where he was last season, to me, would be a successful season for Geno. Huge. Yep. I was actually really surprised, too, at his rushing total for last year. I would not have picked you picked Geno rushing for over 350 rushing yards. Yeah. That was a really nice boost to his value, not something that I had expected. Totally. Not that the mobility wasn't there, but I'm mm-hmm. with you on that. Uh, Field, can I talk about Daniel Jones? Uh, please do, yeah, because he is one that, speaking of players that have one good season to their name. That's right. Ca- and people just don't like to agree on Daniel Jones at all. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to meet in the middle on Daniel Jones. It's one side or the other. So yep. tell me which side you might be leaning towards. So this one is tough. All right. He was QB8 yeah. in, in, in a per game basis in his first year under Brian Dable, right? And he did a lot of things really well. He had seven weeks inside the top 12, three of those weeks. He was a top five quarterback for your fantasy squad. He also had four weeks outside the top 20. So there was a little bit of not so much consistency in his game. And I think that's the big thing. When I looked at Daniel Jones, he was just back and forth quite a bit more than I wanted. Some really nice weeks inside the top five. And then I'll have a week where he's quarterback 17. And then I'll have another week where he's quarterback seven. And then a week where he's quarterback 24. And so looking at this, you saw the rushing upside. You saw the things he was able to do with his, with his legs. He had 50 or more rushing yards or a touchdown in seven games. Yeah. That, you love that as a quarterback. You love that. But he doesn't, other than Darren Waller and I guess Jalen Hyatt, he didn't really add anything to the wide receiving position. He didn't really add a lot of pass catchers. And that was what the question mark was last year. Only 15 passing touchdowns, only five interceptions, which was great. But is he going to add more with his arm this year? We saw the stuff that he can do with his leg, but without those pass catchers, it's tough because I want to, I watched Daniel Jones take a step forward last year. The question is, how many more steps forward can he take to be able to unlock his game? And his pass catchers around him don't give me as much confidence as I would like. Yeah, I'm worried about the passing touchdowns. I mean, the Giants, believe it or not, are dead last in passing touchdowns over the last three seasons, 44. Like, that's something yeah, he had Patrick 15 Mahomes last year, Daniel season. Jones did. Yep. That's yeah. the same as the Jets' entire QB room, which yeah. think about all the praise that Daniel Jones has received this offseason, as opposed to the way that which in which the Jets' quarterback room <laughs> yeah. was described they were, last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I actually am a little bit more optimistic about ways in which Daniel Jones can improve because we are talking about objectively, like if not the worst bottom five receiving core last year, when you factor in tight ends as well for mm-hmm. Daniel Jones, an offensive line that I think will be better this year, both because of the players are drafted this year and the development of Evan Neal, one of their top picks last year, the offensive line is better. I think Daniel Jones will have a further grasp on this offense I think the weapons around him, even if they still aren't top five or 10 in terms of overall skill groups, are night and day compared to where he was last year. I mean, like Daniel Bellinger as opposed to Darren Waller Waller as your tight end one. Like Bellinger was a nice find last year as like a serviceable, like number two tight end. But like at his apex, Darren Waller can be one of the best tight ends in the entire league. So optimistic there. Who is this comes out? Pass catcher. Do you like, I was just going to say that I think it's Darren Waller. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree with that, but handicapping the wide receivers for that team is probably the hardest unit to figure out in the league right now because of all the injuries. You have two guys coming off the ACL with Shepard and Wondell Robinson. We just mentioned Wyatt. Is Isaiah Hodgins the real deal after how he finished last season? They bring in Paris Campbell. They yeah. sign Jamison Crowder. Right. I mean, there's there a, a couple lot of guys, guys I might sketch. It. I might scratch off the list. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, anyways, Crowder, I just think that, yeah, I, mean, right. just, I think that the, uh, the surroundings are better for Daniel Jones. I think he'll take a step forward because it feels like he finally has some confidence in a coaching staff that yep. believes in it, believes in him. That yeah. I think I think will matter for Daniel Jones. I think the touchdown passing production will go up. The only reason that I would be nervous about Daniel Jones is as if the Giants decide that running him is actually a threat to his health and they need to pull back on all the rushing attempts for Daniel Jones because they have enough pieces around him to throw it more. And that rushing upside just mm-hmm. sets such a high floor for Daniel Jones. Even in a year in which he had 15 touchdown passes, he was a totally serviceable starter last yeah. year. Yep. And by the way, he has missed 11 games. Injuries have been an issue there. But I agree. I mean, we were just talking about like a lack of upside with Goff. I think Jones has a really high ceiling. I yeah. mean, you think about how Josh Allen progressed when in this totally. scheme. Yep. Jones, I mean, if he does make a leap and throws 30 touchdowns and still is running, I mean, there's there's fantasy upside here. For I have sure. him as QB 10. The fear for me is that he doesn't take that leap and I invest in him as my number one quarterback for my fantasy team. And then it's like, well, boy, it's a little bit of a regression here just because these pass catchers give me some pause. I'll go to yeah. wide receiver next. And OBJ is a name that we've talked about plenty this mm-hmm. offseason now that he's a Baltimore Raven. All the reasons why he's difficult to rank you probably know i mean he didn't play at all last year so we haven't seen him in a regular season game since 2021 trivia when was the last time that odell beckham jr in a regular season game had seven or more catches today is Uh, may 17th 2023 i'll say 2019 i'll say 888 days ago (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm, i'm not exactly sure how many days ago december 15th of 2019 was but that's how long it's been December. Good job by you, Mike. 2019, December 15th. He had, I believe it was seven catches for 83 yards in a game. Might have been 63 yards as a matter of fact. So the bottom line is that it's been a long time since we've seen Odell Beckham Jr. have a full right. season of production, even like a semi-solid stretch of consistent regular season production. However, here are the good things for Odell Beckham Jr., Right. We have seen him be one of the best players in all of football. I mean, he took the league by storm as a rookie and was the bell of the ball in New York for multiple years before he was traded. He's going to play with the best quarterback in his career for a prolonged period of time in Lamar Jackson. And I think this is the best, at least most prominent name that Lamar has played with at wide receiver in an offense that had a coordinator shift this offseason. I don't think Baltimore is going to be a top five or even eight offense in terms of passing attempts. Mm-hmm. 
But during the heyday of Lamar Jackson, they threw the ball like 440 and 406 times over the course of two seasons back to back. That is such an anomaly that I think if it does not sustain is a good thing for the value of Odell Beckham Jr. Field for the dummies in our episode. 440 and 400 like what like Brady is last average, year was like averagely you're talking closer to like 575 or 600 for a team okay. yeah so you're talking about if you do the math over the court like 10 fewer attempts per game than league average on on occasion and there are teams at the very top like the bucks last year where brady in his final season set the nfl completion and attempt record in his final year before he walked away so the offense that i think they're going to play i think will be a bit more pass friendly but can he stay healthy for the entire season? Is it going to be him as a number one wide receiver? Because they just used the 23rd overall pick on Zay Flowers. They have a guy they drafted two years ago in Rashad Bateman, who was the 20th overall pick. There were people that thought he could be emer- mm-hmm. he could emerge as the number one wide receiver on that team. And by the way, they have Mark Andrews. So mm-hmm. you just don't know how much volume you're getting from Odell Beckham Jr. So where did I net out? Wide receiver 38. I'm actually higher than you, yeah, Mike. I was say, look 35, at, excuse me. Speaking yeah. of hard to rank, look at our rankings. You're yeah, 35th. So I'm 44 in the yeah. middle, and Daniel's way down at 56. So we're all over the place. And, you know, I, we could see any of them playing out. And, by the way, uh, the, the positive side is, yeah, it's easy to, you know, hedge on the low-volume offense, and he hasn't played in a long time, and he's now 31, and he's coming off the injury, all those things, and say, well, yeah. I'm just going to fade him. But here's the thing. When they walk on the field out in the field in week one, he's going to be their number one target. And mm-hmm. he might see six, seven, eight targets and score a touchdown. He's going to be featured. It's just a matter of like every week you're going to be like, man, it's just a week it goes yeah. down, yeah. you know. Yeah. But he's going to be a feature target. And that's why you can see that I could see why, where you're at with 35th, right? He could, and we're going to rank him as a wide receiver three when we set our week one rankings. Right. Variance is important to keep in mind once you get past a certain point right. of the depth chart in your positional ranks, right? Because if for the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets pizza better because it has to be. I'm making the case for Odell Beckham Jr. at like wide receiver 12 and you're at 21 and you're at 29. That is a pretty notable gap, right? Me having him at 35 versus Daniels 56 is more that like once we get to dart throw territory, I'm more bullish on taking Odell Beckham Jr. Whereas Daniel, by that rank at least, suggests he sees other dart throw options that might represent either a safer value or more upside than Odell Beckham Jr. And that's part of where this offseason, as we continue to get camp reports and all the news that's going to eventually start trickling in, that's going to change a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. This is early. Like where I feel right now, I got to wait and see because it's totally justifiable. He hasn't played in, I don't know if it's, let's just call it 888 days because it feels like that long. (laughs) Uh, Mike. I thought your pick was fascinating because Mm -hmm. as I was going through my wide receiver rankings and I'm combing them over every few days or so, I'm like, how is this guy as low as he is? It's Debo Samuel. 
Yeah, this is a really tricky one because are we getting 2021 Debo Samuel when he had, what was it, uh, seven, 1,770 yards and 14 touchdowns was third Absurd. in fantasy points, plummets all the way to 98 for eight, 98 touches, 864 yards, five touchdowns, and was just inside the top 30 on a points-per-game basis. And some of those came in bunches. Are those uh, all-purpose yards that you just read? All or those? Yeah, okay. that was, yeah, from scrimmage, so carries and, and receiving yards, right? So he was still delivering in the wide receiver three mix, maybe wide receiver two at times, but he just did not have that ceiling. The efficiency was bad. He was only really used near the line of scrimmage. And here's the thing. What is the ceiling in terms of volume for him now? Because they're going to feature four guys, not just Debo Samuel. We saw that last year. You're going to have Brandon Ayuk as the vertical target. You're going to have George Kittle all over the place. And and of course, you're going to have uh, Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. So I I just worry about, can he get back to where he was a couple of years ago? Is a guy that's also missed a lot of games. Durability is a question mark. So it's a tough one for sure because we've seen what he can do and they manufacture touches for him. But on the other hand, there is a ceiling there and, and the injuries are a concern. You could argue that every 49er skill player figures into this conversation yeah. for what you just described because Brandon Ayuk might have a game with eight targets in week one and he might follow that up with two in week two. That should not shock anybody. Not because Ayuk is not a really talented player. The guy has been excellent for them in stretches, but if you were to stack up skill groups around the NFL, I got to figure San Francisco's is, if not the number one, it's right in the conversation. And it's not just because they have star power. They have depth too, right? Their running back depth backfield could go three or four deep this year based off of the investments they've made beyond Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. So that's an offensive quandary in a lot of ways. Debo is so, so good at his very best. But I think given the injuries in recent years for the 49ers, and they have continued each of the past two years, they're going to be always erring on the side of caution with some of their stars. So rather than running Debo into the ground Mm -hmm. in the way they did back in 2021, which almost got them to where they wanted to go, by the way, they might be a bit more judicious. I'm also not super thrilled from a fantasy perspective on what I feel like is their quarterback situation right now. Cause I don't really know who's throwing the football. Sam Darnold's going to basically start the year is what it kind of feels like. He might Pur- Purdy's looking better every day. So we'll and see. So yeah. we'll see. And once you get Brock Purdy out there, we saw how many games of Brock Purdy to be able to project what he's going to look Not like enough. throughout a full season. Not right. No so idea, there's a lot there. Mm. All right. I want to ask you guys a question. Who is a better player? And I'm not talking about better fantasy player, just who's a better NFL player. And I almost wish I was asking you guys to write your answer down and then we would mm-hmm. reveal it. Jeff Wilson Jr. or Raheem Mostert? Who's a better player, Mike? Uh, I, I'll I'll give it to Mostert just because of his ridiculous rushing efficiency. Okay, his, his efficiency. Yeah. He's one of the, he's one of the best yards per carry marks in league history. Okay, so wow. you're gonna go with Mostert, Daniel? Uh, I am gonna go with Jeff Wilson Jr. because. Mike is not usually super smart when it comes to picking players. So I'm going to go obviously with the right choice. But the point is that like when I asked that question to you at first, like if you just to go around the NFL and like think about other one, two backfields, like JK Dobbins versus Gus Edwards, Edwards is a useful player, but like JK Dobbins, much better player, right? You go to Houston right now. We're talking about Damian Harris and Devin Singletary. I'm sorry. uh, Damian Pierce versus Devin Singletary used to be Buffalo, but Damian Pierce versus Devin Singletary, like, Damian Pierce is a way more talented guy, right? Mm, yep. And Buffalo, when you have James, James Cook, Cook versus Damian Harris, like I think James Cook is a more talented player than Damian Harris. The point is that in Miami, those two top backs, assuming they are the top two backs, to me are like about as similar as, as far as like Madden ratings go as any two backs yep. on the same team in the NFL. And that was sort of reflected in what happened last year after they acquired Jeff Wilson Jr., Let's take a look and bear with me here on the numbers. Here are Jeff Wilson Jr.'s 
yards and carries in the games in which both he and Raheem Mostert played last year. Nine for 51, 17 for 119, one carry for three yards, four carries for 26 yards, nine carries for 37 yards, 15 carries for 45 yards, 16 carries for 72 yards. In those same games, here are Raheem Mostert's game logs. Nine carries, 26 yards, eight carries, 65 yards, seven carries, 30 yards, 11 carries, 37 yards, eight carries, 45 yards, nine carries, 29 yards, 11 carries, 71 yards. Mm -hmm. What you heard a lot of right there, by the way, is like, you know, between seven and 12 carries Mm -hmm. and between like... 35 and what 65 yards right yeah and there was a lot of games there there were some of them games where one of those backs was out too they played five full together and they yeah. both averaged nine and a half fantasy points per game so right. it was so, not uh, yeah. useful those were for games fantasy. they started whether they finished them, sure, of still, course of course started yeah. those games together and so you have this offense that last year was very dedicated to a lot of balance mike just mm-hmm. mentioned the 9.5 fantasy points per game when they both played and then you throw in Devon A. Chain, who yeah. a, a team that was very short on draft capital this year, Miami entered the draft with the fewest picks. Use a third round pick on Devon A. Chain, who go figure, he goes to the Dolphins. Fastest running back in the draft. He is a big play waiting to happen. I'm skeptical that he'll have a massive role week in and week out, but if all of a sudden you've got a third body in the mix, maybe the question isn't whether these guys are difficult to rank, but the question is. Should they even be anything anything more than depth for your fantasy lineup right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Know. It could be a th- three-headed attack here. I could see a chain playing you know, 15 20% of the snaps, and they use three guys here. By the way, though, I do agree with you. I know he's a popular sleeper, breakout player. Everybody kind of wants a piece of him in the, later in their draft because of the uncertainty in that backfield. First of all, I don't think Wilson and Mostert are going anywhere. They're going to be factors. They both got new and contracts. Also, to your point, he's, what, 170 pounds? I don't see any upside with him. So I he, maybe that's a topic for a different show. But, sure. Uh, he's a... He's a like a Neem Hines sort of committee back, not a guy I'm worried about that's going to be a you know a feature back in the NFL or take control of that Miami backfield and get 15 touches a game. Which is too bad because I would love to have a running back in that Miami backfield just take control and be the guy, right? Maybe so Dalvin you, Cook ends yeah. up there. So when you're drafting a Dolphins running back, it's almost like you're hoping, and you should never root for injuries, right? But you're almost hoping that something happens to the other two because mm-hmm. – if they're all healthy, and I could be so far off here, I don't see a scenario in which one of them handles all the rushing work and the other two are just sort of there in case of emergency, right? Yep. Like, yep. this is going to be a split backfield, assuming those three guys are all and available. They, and they don't really throw to the backs either. They had a bunch of targets when they were together late last season because Tua wasn't there, but when Tua played, he was throwing to Waddle was just and Tyreek, boom, and it wasn't to the running backs. Down the those, field. those guys are not great pass catchers. They just haven't been used that way. So I agree. That's a situation I would like to avoid. But again, maybe maybe they're not done at running back. We'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about that more. And uh, let's get to one more before we get to the players that we had some overlap on. So, Mike, who was a running back that gave you some trouble? Yeah, this one uh, is almost a layup. Alvin Kamara. Yeah. And it's it's very simple. I actually didn't pick him because I figured somebody else would. It was so obvious, but it's one we should address, right? Because when he plays, you expect at least, at least back-end RB1 numbers, right? Just what he does in the passing game, how good of a player he is, the amount of volume he's going to see in this offense. Uh, But he's likely facing a suspension. So we don't know what that's going to be. Could it be four games, six games, eight games? We're not sure what that is going to be. So for now, we have to hedge on him. He's pretty much going in the middle of drafts because, yeah, I mean, there's just that line. Like, uh, we, I can deal with a certain amount of absence on a player like this because when he comes back, he's going to be an RB1. 
but where is that line? So that's what you got to figure out. You got to kind of hedge on when, how long sure. the suspen- suspension is going to be and decide when am I okay striking on a guy that's probably going to sit on my bench for a, a month and a half, two months. Fields, I want to ask you about the timeline for that because that's part of the, the question, right? Yeah. If I knew right now that he was going to miss four games, that's a lot easier of a decision to right. be able to make rather than just saying, we're not really sure how this is going to play out. Is there a timeline on when he's supposed to get in front of anybody? Or? I wish I had a better answer. Okay. There was a time in which the number of games that was floated most often was a six-game suspension. There was also a time when some thought it could take place prior to last season. Because remember, this is an incident from the Pro Bowl back in February of 2022. It's yep. now, of course, May of 2023. So it's it's similar to DeAndre Hopkins from last year, only because it's a suspension possibility. And Hopkins, I think, if I recall correctly, last year was being drafted in like the 30s for wide receiver because you knew... Six games out of the gate, you are missing him. I don't know where the uh, the Saints bye week is, but that's a consideration as well. If the Saints if the Saints have an early bye, Kyle, can we check that? Week. Yeah, text me so if, if they have an early out. bye. If they have a bye before week seven, then all of a sudden you're not going to have them on the field until at the earliest sure. week mm-hmm. eight. And I don't want to dive into this too much right now. It's more of a conversation for for when the season begins, but. When a star wide receiver, who's clearly the alpha, week 11, by the way, is the confirmed Saints bye week. Uh, if a star wide receiver returns when he's the clear alpha, like he's going to come back and get his. Mm-hmm. The Saints just use a third round pick on Kendra Miller. Mm-hmm. They signed Jamal Williams. Like, it's not crazy that if those guys are balling out and Alvin Kamaris misses six games, that his role will be a little bit reduced out of the gates relative to what we normally expect because of the guys that are performing so well. Let's go to the players that we had a bunch of crossover on, and it's not a surprise. It was, it was in some ways, though, a good reminder, and it was some some ways, I thought, sort of comforting to know that, like, if I'm struggling, then you're struggling as well. And let's begin with a player that I think, if you follow fantasy football Twitter, you're probably very familiar with some of the issues surrounding where to place him, and that's Anthony Richardson, the Colts rookie quarterback. And let's just start with the very first dynamic that I think we all agree we know how it's going to turn out, but... He hasn't been declared the starter. They did sign Gardner Minshew. Sometimes coaches take a bit more of an old school approach than we probably would. And they protect their young quarterback for a week or two or four or half a season. Who knows? I'm going to go with the idea that Anthony Richardson is going to be the starter from week one on for the Indianapolis Colts. Mm -hmm. And while there are question marks about his ability to throw, not necessarily to like physically throw the football like a million yards, but accuracy was the big question mark for him at Florida when he complete completed just 53% of his passes last year. And he has just 13 career college starts, but take everything you know about Anthony Richardson as a thrower and throw it out the window. No pun intended there for a second. And just think about what you know about him as an athlete, because he's arguably arguably the most impressive athlete we have ever seen during the pre-draft process at the combine six foot four 244 pounds runs a four four six forty so i had kyle pull this over the past three years there have been 21 quarterbacks that have rushed for at least 360 yards over the course of the season i went with a season total as opposed to a per game total just because there can be a couple of random exceptions and outliers 21 times over the past three seasons a quarterback has rushed for at least 360 yards 18 of those times, a quarterback has averaged over 17 fantasy points per game, more specifically 17.4 fantasy points per game or more. That's 23 and a half yards rushing per game for Anthony Richardson. There are three exceptions. One of them was Marcus Mariota last year. The other two, uh, Daniel Jones in 2020, and then Justin Fields during his rookie season. 
So the question is, does Anthony Richardson need to immediately be considered like a top 12 option or no, Mike? I think that uh, if, well, first of all, you meant you said 360 yards, like he could run for a thousand. First of all, I use a very low baseline just for that reason. I just wanted to make that clear. We view this guy as a guy that should be up there with Lamar and Jalen Hurts, like Josh Allen, Fields, right. Big time rushing yardage. And that's what makes this hard because if he does that and he's good enough, like let's just say he's, we'll say even a poor passer, right? Like not enough to get benched, but just really struggles, like completes 56% of his passes, something like that. But he plays most of the games and he's running at that level. He will be a QB one. I mean, there's really no doubt about that, right? But on the other hand, if he's struggling to the point that they have to bench him, which is a real possibility, like we, we don't know for sure. Like he really could struggle. We've seen this before, right? There's guys that get drafted in the first round all the time and our bust, they're just not good. So or, or where, at so, the very least, you, the team has to slow play them and bring the veteran in for a few games. Exactly. Or whatever. We've, we've seen that. We've seen that with, you know, many, many times, many times over the years with these young quarterbacks. So so here's the thing. That's why that's why we can't rank him as a top 12 or 10 quarterback. Right. So you get well, to you that can. point. You can. You, you want, I mean, yeah. you can. But then well, you're taking you're him over. You know, you're taking him over Daniel Jones and, and Kirk Cousins and, and all, Smith and, and all, all those guys in that range. And then you, you're putting your eggs in that basket. So he I'm comfortable with him as a lottery ticket where we have him ranked. Right. You want to take him late in your draft as a lottery ticket because he has up that upside. Fine. But I feel like the market on him is just increasing. Right. Oh, and people soaring, are going to take him right earlier now. and earlier. And, and then I get to the point where I'm like, I, I don't know, like I might be taking a guy that's just not. A, a good player like he could run all he wants but if he's running like brett hunley and not doing anything with his arm like and right. it's a big struggle that's gonna that's gonna be crushing so there's just a line where i would take that risk i want a better starter he's more of a lottery team. I, th- yeah. I think being able to figure out this hype train throughout the offseason is going to be really yeah. tough to make sure that you're you're getting enough value but not overvaluing a guy that we've never seen before to everything that you just said mike it's that hype train is just going to continue to increase especially as camps happen as we get to see some throws you know the social media team is going to put some stuff out there that people are going to overreact to the and slow motion videos of uh, him dropping in the pocket all this because he's he is a specimen that we have not you know guys like him just don't grow on trees it's going to be trey lance 2.0 right who the story is not finished on trey lance but the hype two years ago yep. for trey lance and training camp was like the 49ers would be downright negligent to not start this guy from the moment the season begins mm-hmm. two years later he's our third string quarterback yeah and we've seen him, and he has been fine for fantasy, right? So they're, they're, I want to acknowledge the risk, but I also think it's important to now acknowledge just how tantalizing of a talent he is. And when you mention the names like Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins, I think that there are some people that are immediately going to react like, Anthony Richardson has way more upside than those guys, hypothetically, right? Yeah, and so that's, at the, that's the balance of trying to assess what Anthony Richardson is worth in a draft and why... Rankings are much more of an art than a science, people. I have been working on my top 100 recently, or refining my top 100 recently, I should say, and I realize that every time I look at it, it's it's almost it's like looking at a painting. You might like you might look at it a little bit different each time, or notice something a little bit different each time, and you're like, wait, hold on, why, why do I have him as my tight end six lower than my? RB 22 or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's a matter of what has already happened in your draft. that's going to dictate how you approach other players like Anthony Richardson in the draft. He's, he's really interesting too. And we won't get into this, but it's not just about Anthony Richardson. It's how it, he's going to affect everybody else on his team. How is he going to affect Jonathan yep. Taylor? How's he going to affect Michael Pittman? All yeah, of that from a fantasy yeah. perspective that we'll talk about that later on this, this summer, but for sure, let's yeah. through, let's rip through a couple more. Let's go to wide receivers. And 
I want to talk about all the Jaguars wide receivers. And you could throw Evan Ingram into this conversation for uh, as well because he does tie into it. I described the Jaguars offense last year in my own mind as a well-balanced meal, right? Like the guys had okay. a pretty clearly defined role and it seemed to work almost perfectly for them last year. Christian Kirk had 133 targets. That was 16th most in the NFL. Zay Flowers, Zay Jones, excuse me. I'm going to do that a ton yeah, this year. <laughs> Zay Jones had 121 targets. That was 21st in the NFL. Sounds about right. Evan Ingram had 98 targets. That was tied for 40th. He did come on strong late. The Jaguars made a really smart move though last year. They traded for a guy in Calvin Ridley who has been awesome in the NFL. I am not here to pick apart the move. I love the move. It makes things tricky, though, for fantasy football. Who takes the biggest hit here? I think it's Zay Jones. And the reason is, and again, Zay Jones was a startable fantasy commodity for a chunk of last season, but he was already very inconsistent, mm-hmm. right? He had, but, uh, he had nine games under 10 fantasy points as well. So he really spiked at times and became a useful fantasy player, was very useful in DFS too. We talked yeah, about him a lot, a lot. Yeah. on the DFS pod. Um, I think he's the one that takes the biggest target share hit. I think, remember, Christian Kirk is very well paid, right? He didn't have a top 25 fantasy campaign with Arizona. They gave him a lot of money to bring him in to be their number one last year. And I think there is room for his target share to be similar. It's going to drop a little bit with Calvin Ridley there, but to be similar. So I think Kirk takes a hit in value as well. He'll finish lower than he did last season in fantasy points, assuming Calvin Ridley's healthy, uh, but still, still startable, but down from last year. And then Calvin Ridley's a, a tricky one. I mean, he's the headliner in terms of being hard to rank because he's barely played the last year and a half. He's had one career top 20. It's a guy that we view as having wide receiver one upside, but he's only done it once and he's 28 years old and having not played the last year. Yeah. And, and, in, and more competition than ever before. This is the most competition he's seen since he was basically the number two to Julio Jones. So, and when they were playing out. in Atlanta, that was it. It was Julio and Calvin Ridley. Yeah, in a very right. high volume pass, high offense. volume passing Tons offense. Of it was targets. those two guys. Yeah. Now you've got four legitimate weapons, and you're right that Christian Kirk is the most well compensated out of these guys. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like Zay Jones got like a real three-year, $28 million contract last year. Evan Ingram might get a new extension this offseason. He's already been designated their franchise tag player. So I think that good things are still in store for a lot of these guys. Yeah, I think that there's a chance that two of the three wide receivers, my best bets being Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, are strong lineup locks every single week, and that Evan Ingram remains a top six or seven tight end. It just feels like one of them might get squeezed. And while Zay Jones does feel like the most likely, there are scenarios in which Zay Jones still retains his weekly value. And like, I'm not betting on this, right? But given the uncertainty surrounding Calvin Ridley, because we haven't seen him in a year and a half, like 
Who's to say that Calvin, like, is it a 100% guarantee that Calvin Ridley is like a top 20 wide receiver every no single week this year? It's not. I think it's likely, but that's what makes this tricky is they've got a good problem. They've got so much talent that you're having a hard time figuring out. Yeah. How do you appropriately slot them? Whereas last year, it just felt like in a game that's full of unpredictability, you had a pretty good feel from process-wise last year of where they deserve to be ranked. The yeah. results could be a little bit all over the board, but the process felt pretty consistent. Yeah, I and I guess my point is just that Zay Jones had four big games last year, and Evan Ingram did most of his damage in like a one-month period as well, sure. and that was without Calvin Ridley. Now he's part of And right. by the way, they might set up more passing plays for... Uh, Travis Etienne as well, right? The so the results are different. I'm saying the process though last year, you felt pretty good. You're like, oh, yeah, say yeah, Jones yeah, yeah, is going to yeah. be somewhere between like best case scenario, like in your rankings, wide mm-hmm. receiver 28, maybe as low yeah. as wide receiver 30. Yeah. You know, um, Calvin, Calvin Ridley right now, just for all of us, Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk are literally back to back at wide receiver 31 and 32, which I think highlights the idea of part of what we're saying. We that watched Christian low, though, by the way. It does feel low. Yeah. We watched Christian Kirk look really good last year. And some of that, you know, conversation, I've got Ridley quite a bit higher than this. Let's see. Oh, Mike. I think Clay. one. I, I do think one of those low. two. I think a Jaguars receiver will finish as the top eighteen or so play. Mm-hmm. Though I don't think they're going to be wide receiver 31, 32, and like forty five. Like yeah, there's going to be a, a really solid season. Maybe they have two top twenties and a top seven tight end because yeah. Trevor Lawrence can make another leap, and they're already a pass heavy offense. I mean, there's. Yeah, yeah. yeah three, it could be the, a really good. The offense. Three of us are definitely higher than the consensus rankings. Yes, rankings we are. Yep. Twenty four is where we. Ha- I have him twenty seven for my twenty two for Daniel. Let's talk Buccaneers, and you got two players that we think are awesome: Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and a quarterback situation that is perilous. This right was the now. first guy that came to mind when you said, "What's a tough guy for you to rank?" Tell me why then. Mike Evans was so difficult because everything that I just saw from Mike Evans over yeah. the last three years, right? I watched a couple of incredible dominant seasons of Mike Evans catching touchdown pass after touchdown pass from the greatest quarterback that has ever lived. And then last year, it was like, it's not that he fell off a cliff, but it felt like for the fantasy regular season where I can use him, he kind of fell off a cliff. He became unusable to the point where it's like, boy, do I want to start Zay Jones over Mike Evans was the yeah, conversation we that we were conversation. having. Yes, we did. <laughs> right? Yeah. And um, so you look at it towards the end of the yeah. year. I understand those numbers, you know, kind of started to come in around, but now he's got either Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask under center. There's so many question marks. It's not just about Mike Evans, but you watched his game take a hit last year with Tom Brady under center. And now you, you move that forward to these quarterbacks. It's so difficult to be like, who is the real Mike Evans and which one is going to show up this year? Yeah. Nine it, straight, yeah. nine straight top 25 finishes. So it's almost like, how do you not rank him top 25 after he's done it nine straight yeah. times and is such a good player? Thousand yards in every year. Yep. He's now 30 years old. Last season, he was 21st in catches, 17th in fantasy points per game, outside the top 30 uh, receivers in 60% of his games. Remember, you right. said 60%. You said he came around in that, that he came around for a while. It was really one game, 207 yards and three, three, and three touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah. In a fantasy and that, matchup. And now keep playing. Playoff matchup. Yeah. Yes. All those things I just said. In the in a season where his quarterback set the NFL all time single season completion record, yeah, this it's not just a quarterback changer; it's a scheme change. Yeah. The vol the volume is going to. We talked about like the difference in pass attempts; they're going to plummet. They're going to run the ball a lot more. It's going to be slower. They were really fast paced offense as well. The volume difference from last year to this year is going to be unlike any other team. It's going to yeah. be way different. It's going to be less efficient, and you he's again, and that was what he did last year in that situation. So he really is going to need a. a uh, the largest target share he's seen in a long time to sustain wide receiver two numbers or 
have that ceiling we're used to from him. So I have major concerns about Evans. It makes him really tough. And the same goes for Chris Godwin here as well. Yeah, I have Godwin higher. I think I might be more optimistic than most on Chris Godwin only because like Apex Chris Godwin has been like a top six or eight wide receiver in fantasy. I think the volume is still going to be significant enough. Like he should be, he should I'm be a 100 catch. Oh, how about that? <laughs> I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Wow. You guys are smart, Why you know do you hate Chris Godwin? Come on. Uh, so I thought I was maybe, maybe it's <laughs> against the rest of the industry, but we all have him. So 19 yes. to 22 yeah. is the range. Like he feels to me like a solid bet for a hundred catches again. This I, year. I will say this really quick. Uh, if you want a hint of optimism, like an example of how this could work out, Seattle last year, no one wanted Tyler Lockett. No one That's wanted fair. DK Metcalf. That's a great you got them, call. You got yep. them cheap everywhere because everyone was worried about the quarterback situation going from Russ to Geno Smith. They were two of the best values in fantasy. That's Certainly Tyler Lockett was. Call. This is probably the closest you could come to another and, example. And I know Baker is such an easy guy to dunk on, and yeah. I know that he has not been number one pick good. His last four games with the Rams, in which he was still learning the playbook in week 18 of the season... I thought he acquitted himself reasonably. Yeah. He was fine, right? He was solid. So I think none of us know a whole lot about the offensive staff in Tampa now. It's Dave Canales as their new offensive coordinator. He's been the QB coach for the Seahawks for a while now. So I can't say that we have a great grip on how he's going to run an offense. But I do think that if you feel as though that coach's staff can do a, a formidable job, then maybe there is some optimism for both Godwin and Evans along yep. the, what Mike just described. All right, let's go to the running backs. And I think I'm going to lump these two ACL recovery guys into the same yes. conversation. It's Javante Williams and also Brees Hall. And actually the idea of this, this topic came to be when I saw the update on Saturday uh, from Jeff Legwald, mm-hmm. who covers the Broncos for us here at ESPN. He had an article about how Sean Payton said, Hey, our guy, they're asking about the running back depth chart. And he said, well, the guy that's our starter, Javante is on track to be ready for training camp. The messaging has been all over the place surrounding Javante Williams this offseason from the Broncos. There was a time when it seemed like he could be ready for the start of the season. And then their GM, George Payton, made it seem like he wasn't a sure thing to be ready for the start of the season. The latest update suggests he could be ready for training camp. The point is that we have really no idea exactly when he is going to be back on the field. And then to borrow a Stefania line, there's a difference between return to play and return to performance. Mm -hmm. Just some recent examples of guys the first year after their ACL tear coming back. 2022, last year, we had two guys, Chris Godwin and Robert Woods. I know Godwin had a ton of volume. 9.8 yards per catch last year for Chris Godwin. His career average, 12.7. That includes last year, which dragged that number down. Robert Woods last year had a career low 9.9 yards per catch. The offense in both of those cases did influence those numbers, but it's not like either of those guys was the super elusive version of himself in his first year coming back from the ACL. As we know, Saquon Barkley in 2021 really struggled. He averaged just 3.7 yards per carry, had two rushing touchdowns. And then you go back even further, Dalvin Cook, after his rookie season ACL tear, came back in 2018. And while he did play and his average yards per carry looks fine, he had a total of 133 carries. It's a long time ago now, but like that year was up and down. He had 133 carries in 11 games. It was not full Voltron Dalvin Cook. And so while it sounds like Brees Hall is the better bet to be ready for the start of the season, as opposed to Javante Williams, 
there's still uncertainty about whether the Jets will be smart about how they use Brees Hall. It would certainly behoove them to do so, and they do have some depth behind them with the emergence of Bam Knight down the stretch last year. So I think we all agree that's the reason why. It has nothing to do with the talent or capabilities of these two because they are both tremendous. Yeah, and I think you made a good point, which is the same thing I was going to say is just because they're cleared for training camp doesn't mean they drop in and they're 100% the player they were before. It might take until 2024 before they're back to being that superstar player. So that's what I'm going to draft those two guys. J.K. Dobbins last year, too. I didn't mention yeah. him because yeah. he had a subsequent knee injury. Mm-hmm. But even that was one where you're waiting every week until like a tweet from Shefty on Sunday morning to know whether he's even going to yeah. play yeah. before he got hurt for the second it's time. T- it's tough. And by the way, Brees in, in drafts is pretty expensive right now. Javante is a lot cheaper. Yeah. So if you're throwing a dart at one, he's probably the one to do. Obviously, Hall has a lot more upside and we feel better about him. But I feel like if, you've got a better shot to grab Samaj P. Ryan if you want to grab Javante Williams as well. Like at the clear, I feel like it's clearer too for now. Yeah, yeah. Me. For now. Yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely is. So it, I'm, I'm coming around a little more on Brees just because everything's trending the right way. I'm a little more, I'm a little more worried about Javante. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think this is one of those that will have a much better grasp early August. Are these guys on the PUP list? Mm-hmm. Are they not? Are they participating in padded practices? Are they not? Do they play in preseason games? And if they do, do they look like their normal self? Do they yeah. not? All those things will factor into where they actually get drafted towards the peak of draft season in late August. All right, last one here for the running backs. Uh, this, this is, is a fun, a fun one. one. And yeah. we probably could have led with this, but instead we're closing with it for the running back conversation because it's interesting. There has been nothing concrete that Dalvin Cook will no longer be a Minnesota Viking, but their GM and head coach have been persistently asked about Dalvin Cook's future, and I would describe it as non-committal. There have also been some yes. less obvious signs, which includes a recent Twitter bio update by the Vikings in which their header photo, which is right behind where you see the profile picture, now has a promo of the upcoming season and Alexander Madison is one of the four players that's on that banner. Not often that you have a backup running back on a banner. Now, I get it. It's just Twitter. The social media team may have absolutely no idea what is going on with Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook, but there's been enough smoke elsewhere to suggest Mm -hmm. that maybe Dalvin Cook's days are numbered in Minnesota. So I'll ask you philosophically, Mike, when you're ranking these players right now, do you hold steady and just rank Dalvin Cook like he's going to be the Dalvin Cook running back, uh, the starting running back for the Minnesota Vikings? Or do you start to hedge a little bit? And if you were drafting today, do you maybe pay a bit of a premium on someone like Alexander Madison? Yeah, it's tricky. So uh, for Cook specifically, I mean, he hasn't been in the top 10 in fantasy points per game either of the last two seasons. And last year was the first year he actually held up and was healthy for a full season and still uh, was 15th on a points per game basis. So I have him ranked 15th. That's kind of a mid-range RB2. I think that if he is cut loose and lands somewhere else, maybe Miami, somewhere like that, Maybe he can get back into that conversation. So I don't think, like, if you're drafting right now, best ball, whatever it might be, and you take him in that range, I think it could still work out for you. It's a little riskier. Maybe I want to bump him down a few spots to for some of that risk. That's fine. Uh, so that's Cook. That's how I would attack him. Madison, yeah, he should be going several rounds earlier than he's going right now because, like you said, there's there's a lot of smoke here, and there's a real chance that he's, he's the lead. And that's what you want, right? Especially if you're doing best ball right now. You want a guy that next week is going to be ranked eight rounds earlier or, you know, something like that. So uh, I'm very interested in Madison right now. If I'm doing off season drafts, best ball drafts, I'm going to take him early just because the payoff there, if they move on from cook is massive. And by the way, again, cook didn't miss a game last year, but two years ago he did. He missed four games. Alex Madison 
was pretty good in fantasy. In fact, he was the number one scoring fantasy running back. He's he, awesome. Yeah. This, I've talked about this offense a lot, but maybe the most underrated offense in the NFL. They are top five in touchdowns. They're top six in the Kirk Cousins era. They're top five in touchdowns, uh, offensive touchdowns over the last three seasons. They mm-hmm. score touchdowns. We've talked about this so much, but when Alexander Madison fills in for Dalvin Cook, since he switched numbers <laughs> and they're two and four, yeah. They look so they really freaking <laughs> identical that like it only makes sense for Dalvin Cook to be replaced by Alexander Madison and for Madison to basically be at yeah, Dalvin and Cook. And he's only 24. He came in super young. Yeah, he's on yeah. his second contract now. Yes, he is. 24 yeah. years old. So and here's here's this question then. Yeah. Understanding that this move has yet to take place, but all of us internet sleuths feel like the writing is on the wall. How early when you say move Alexander Madison up your boards, what are you talking about there? Because you're not moving him all the way up to where. Is this like James Conner for Le'Veon Bell year? Remember that Mm, one? Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. He's holding out, but maybe not. Will he actually show up or just a big game of chicken? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I would say once my when I'm looking at flex players, that's when I'm looking at Madison. Right. Because when you're in that range, there might be a good like upside upside guy you miss on, but it's not going to crush you in that range. Whereas Madison could be an RB one. Yeah. Like right. an RB one that you get in that range. And if you grab in the right flex now. range, like you're saying, and he doesn't pan out because maybe they keep Dalvin cook, it's not going to crush your team. Exactly. Because yeah, you kind of lose or he's insurance on your bench, whatever it may be. And okay. So I, I was sort of joking. My pick for tight ends just, it was going to be like every tight end, not named Travis Kelsey because <laughs> Kelsey rules and everybody else is a bit of a question mark in some way shape or form but i'm going to use this alexander madison dalvin cook thought to bring up a point that i feel strongly about what's the what's the argument for having a draft right now other than a rookie dynasty draft just best ball i mean okay a lot of people are doing best ball now Uh, let's let's assume that most people are not best ball player let's not assume but for those that aren't best ball players, that are redraft players, and that I I think that's the core and the guts of our show, Correct. right? Is the best ball players, sure. uh, excuse me, the, the redraft players that are going to play in hopefully six or seven or ten leagues or whatever. But they're going to like this is why if you can, and I logistically I know it's a nightmare, but if you can, this is the best argument for. Or these are the kind of reasons why you argue for a draft that's held like at the earliest, like August twentieth. Like do, do your best to get as much information as you can because mm-hmm. it just stinks if you know if you have a draft right now and Dalvin Cook is your third round pick or fourth round pick or even fifth round pick wherever he goes in your draft he gets cut loose you know in a month and is there anywhere he could land anywhere off the top of your head that you're like oh yeah if Dalvin Cook goes there he immediately has the same value he has right now in Minnesota. I think there, I yeah, Miami. I think Tampa Bay maybe if they're not buying if the if that the could be good. They're not big on Rashad White. They bring in Dalvin Cook. That could be yeah. good. Okay, there's there's a couple. I mean, there's even, only a few. Even yeah, even like Dallas would would be interesting there. there. With, I, you know, if Tony Pollard, but he's yeah. coming off the injury. There's some questions. Put it this there. way that there are more teams that he would go to where his value would depreciate, mm-hmm. as opposed to teams that he would go to where it would hold steady or maybe even get better. Mm-hmm. Right. So you could be burned by having a draft on May 17th. This is where it feels like, and I know that we always talk about this and not everybody has the time to do this, but mock drafting is like such a valuable thing because part of it is being able to understand, understand how the landscape is falling. Right. And you'll be able to understand and see, Hey, if you jump in, like take Dalvin cook early, see how that plays out, go in and do another mock draft and try Alexander Madison and see how your team plays out because at at this point tying yourself to those people like you said field unless this is a dynasty draft like you're you're doing a dynasty startup or a rookie draft 
there are just so many moving pieces that I'm not trying to make final decisions. I'm just trying to get a read of the room more than anything to understand, hey, he used to be here, but now I'll get to watch this player's value drop over the subsequent weeks and months if something happens. And so, I don't know. I realize mock drafting is not nearly as fun as real drafting, but that's what this time of year is for for me because real drafting, you just get stuck in these situations that you don't have answers for yet. And I don't want to be making those decisions in May or June. If 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 you're like us and you're a sicko who cares right. way too much right. about how your fantasy football teams do, by the way, <laughs> an arbitrary, totally made up, has no value to the real world fantasy football team that you are managing during the season and agonizing over way too much. If you're like us, the people that do that, then yeah, waiting until August makes a whole lot of sense. If you are sane and you can detach yourself from caring too much about this fake football team, Mm-mm. go ahead and draft away right now. No problem with that. It's tough. But I'm not one of those people. Nope. I can't relate to you because I'm not one of those people. I'm the kind of person that's going to wake up at some point in a cold sweat this summer thinking about one of my dynasty trades mm-hmm. that I can't get past the finish line. Meanwhile, yeah. like, I've got a kid. I got another one coming soon. Like, I'm going to be up anyways for oh, more yeah. reasonable reasons. I should not be losing sleep. Scrolling through that. Yes, yeah, so I should be. I should be gaining sleep. I yeah. should be doing the things I can to avoid waking up in the middle of the night. And instead, because of fantasy football, this silly game we play, I'll be doing the opposite. Yeah, but if you are like us and you're into it, ball you need, is life. You need dynasty because right now it's one of them. You think about this situation in ball Minnesota. If you have Minnesota, if you have Madison on your roster or Cook, you're yeah. like especially Madison. If you're sitting on him, are you like, do I sell now? Now, do I take advantage? Because what if Cook stays? Then right, I, if he stays, like he, his value is up right now. Yeah. Do I take advantage or do I wait? Because then the, the volume or the the value could really go up. Yeah, so, twenty twenty four Madison of, feels like a good bet. Twenty twenty three Madison, you could yeah. go either way, right? Yeah. yeah, that was a real contract you got. A real contract to stick around yeah. in Minnesota. I think it was like something like eighty five percent of two years, seven or eight million dollars was guaranteed for Madison. So uh, it seems like they have some strong belief in the kind of player that he can be. Uh, as we mentioned, we are back. Did you have something you want to say? Well, I was. I wanted to give one question to Field. It's just yeah, the very end, yeah, I promise. Course, or not, no. to, not to Field, to Mike. Mike, Field and I are in a group chat with a bunch of our friends and they threw a trivia question at us. Uh, I want to throw a trivia question at you. Oh, it's a good right. one. Yeah. When was the last time, what year or quarterback did the Chicago Bears have a 4,000 yard passer last time Chicago bears had a 4,000 yard passer. Uh, not Kate McNown. Uh-huh. It was not Kate McNown. No, just uh, missed. Yeah. I think he was at three ninety nine ninety nine. Yeah. McMahon. Is that too, too far back? No. That's not too no, far back. Going. No, no, no. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think know the question needs to be, you're specifying the Chicago bears, not like the Baylor bears, right? Correct. Chicago uh, bears. Chicago because interestingly bears, enough, Mike, it's never happened. Never. Oh, no Eric Kramer had like 3,800 oh, passing yards. And that's a close. question. Eric Kramer, also the quarterback for the Chicago Bears, who has thrown the most passing touchdowns in a season with 29. They've never had a quarterback throw 30 passing touchdowns or throw for 4,000 yards. That's insane. That's probably not going to happen. Not with Justin not, Fields not right now. Soon. And it's not a knock on him. He just runs a lot. How know, crazy. And they're one of the crazy. oldest franchises in the NFL. Yeah, crazy. Unreal. That is truly Totally insane. Share that with your friends. That. So, yeah, share it with your friends. That's, I believe a uh, hat bet. tip to the 33rd team, which uh, does great job in general. I believe that was the graphic that was shared in our group chat. Yeah, Michigan, uh, Michigan men, men plus the random guy from Massachusetts. That's me. Yeah. Uh, Wednesdays, 1 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time. We'll be hanging out on YouTube. Of course, Kyle, always monitoring the chat from Mike and Daniel Ironfield. Next week, we're going to be talking about fantasy football. I have no idea what. Maybe, maybe a top 100. We'll figure that out over the next seven days. As always, thanks for watching. We'll talk to you guys soon. He's a NASCAR guy with a base to try 
I'm late for fans of love. 